This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Orange Podcast, your weekly batch of yummy ingredients from the people shaping the future at Orange City Council. This week, as the Easter long weekend takes shape and the latest school holidays begin, we'll hear what's happening for kids at the Orange City Library. But to begin, some more about a long-term plan to transform what's arguably Orange's favourite recreation spot, Lake Canoblis. Here on the Orange Podcast, many Orange locals have grown up enjoying the benefits of Lake Canoblis. Um, all kinds of interesting things around that neck of the woods, but how could Orange City Council do that place better? Um, we've brought in an expert, Tony Rowley from Stone Three Design, an expert consultant as these people are, someone who can come in with a fresh set of eyes. Tony, is that part of what makes your job valuable to an organisation like Orange City Council, seeing a long-term facility with a completely fresh set of eyes? I think it's definitely an advantage. Um, when, you, when you're very familiar with a place, be it your house or in the case of Lake Canoblis, an entire precinct, uh, sometimes... Uh, you, you sort of can't see the forest from the trees, we often say. So the, the, the problem becomes very muddled in, in the relationships you have with various people and your understanding of the way that the site or the project has evolved over time and, and the various nuances that those have. So to, to come in and, and not actually be aware of those and literally just condense the problem down to in some cases just a, a sketch on paper and and simplify it and bring it back to first principles and then and then see how you can roll out a solution and it's amazing how just that often it's just through drawing uh, that process starts to explore new ideas and then then you show that back to the stakeholders the various stakeholders and they start to see the problem in a new way and and then they start to input into into some of those solutions so it's a it's a huge advantage i think for example lake canopolis is, is a fantastic place if you look nearby though there's a, a scout camp that orange city council has recently taken on there's some mountain bike trails that have begun to be built in the area does it make sense to treat all those three areas as part of one potential unit to plan for for the future absolutely it does and uh, in the case of a master plan which this project is it really doesn't matter how broadly you look because it is very much about those those relationships and we have even looked more broadly. We've looked how the lake precinct connects to the city itself uh, and how it connects to Mount Canobolis itself. So um, absolutely the more sort of things you throw into the bucket of problems, the, the, the more sort of comprehensive and... Um, advantageous the master plan will be in the case of the the scout camp in particular uh, that's been a wonderful synergy where we've started to have discussions with the local aboriginal land council about running some programs out there and developing the scout camp as let's just call it a camp it could be for schools for local aboriginal land council programs for other programs and the various components that we'd put on the site to facilitate those, such as classrooms, studio environments, gymnasium environments, and some accommodation potentially, some dormitory style accommodation, 
starts to link with some of those other things. For example, mountain bike or cycling or general sporting tourists to the region coming here to participate in a a sporting activity might use that accommodation. Likewise, uh, with the local Aboriginal Land Council, one of the really exciting things we discussed was uh, they may run cultural programs on the site, bring in some youth, teach them some culture, immerse them in some culture, and then get them to practice culture, potentially in the form of art, but other other forms as well. And I'm guessing doing that in a, in a place that has cultural um, significance, heritage significance for an Indigenous community, that's an important place for it to happen. Very much so, very much so. But then there's also the... Across the road on the lake shore, we're proposing a, a visitor centre, and that now becomes a place where they can share that culture with the public. So a, a sort of public interface for the programs that they're running in, in back of house, if you like. So there's been some wonderful sort of cross linkages there. Um, by combining it all as one, very much so. There's time now for uh, community consultation and people to have their say about the master plan. Are you also trying to involve, uh, are there business opportunities out there that you can see for the, in the future? Um, there's a tremendous number of business opportunities. For example? For example, well, for example, a visitor centre uh, as a multi-purpose building, let's call it. Um, so one of the functions, which I guess is sort of traditional visitor centre function. It might be a place where you can come if you want to do a tour of the region where you can come and book into that tour. It could facilitate that. So, and again, this could be, these could be cultural tours uh, run by uh, local Indigenous people or they could be winery tours. So there's a number of ways they operate as a standalone business or tie into others. There's also, um, we're proposing a boat shed just to take some of the aquatic vehicles a bit closer to the shoreline, just to give better access. And um, that that will help schools and, and, and just general accessibility, even disabled access to, the, to aquatic sports, but also a, a, a standalone boat shed uh, very much could be a standalone business as well um, with various rental watercraft um, there that people because it'd be a wonderful lake just to go and have a little row or a, a paddle of some 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 types accommodation absolutely um, and the accommodation is an interesting one there's some really interesting local business people doing high-end and I've even heard the term ultra high-end accommodation and their business model is very much looking at providing really, really high-end food and wine immersion experiences, uh, sometimes in a vineyard or certainly in a vineyard region. We're very much looking to separate away from that and and provide, let's call it, uh, well, dormitory-style accommodation, so potentially down around the two or three-star, and that doesn't mean it's a, a, a daggy old hotel room, but... There's a bit of a point of difference. So a dormitory style accommodation, probably just a bit more hard wearing materials and things like that. And let's cook call it your, your your mountain, your muddy mountain bike tourists or or, or 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 general school groups. Just just a different style of accommodation, just to suit larger groups. Are there ways of connecting the lake 
uh, better to back to orange and maybe connecting the lake back to the top of the mountain? Absolutely, there are. We've been exploring a number of different ways. There's currently a, a lake uh, connection um, from from Orange itself, which involves people walking on the road. Um, it's quite a pleasant walk, but uh, it, it's a bit hilly, and there's not much we can do about the hill. But um, but it's it's probably it's not ideal, and very much one of the suggestions is is that a segregated, safe, uh, shared use path, so cyclists and pedestrians could use it just to get that's I guess that family connection and, and get people walking to the lake and rather than driving to the lake there's lots of privately owned land between there's the lots lake of and privately the owned land and also Lake Canobolis Road is is quite windy and the road reserve as it stands would be tricky but but not impossible Part of the master planning process is I understand that it's a it's a long term document. None of the ideas that you've you've suggest, talked about today are, are about to happen tomorrow. But it, it lets us start to lets the council start to chase grants for things. It starts to if other changes happen, lets to make things planning happening in a coordinated sort of way. Um, is that how you see it? Absolutely. What, what's the time length of, of your plan? Look, it it doesn't have a set time. It could be very much driven by. Uh, you know, as as funding or becomes available, so whether it's ten, twenty, or even longer years, um, it's it, it's I guess it's a framework that you can build and upgrade the infrastructure on the site uh, without sort of tripping over yourself. I mean, I, I always use the example, there's a lot of cases where there's a shed with a lean-to shed built off the side of it and another lean-to starting to be built off the first lean-to. And without a master plan, things start to get very clunky and some of the you know, the internal circulation uh, and future development options get blocked and people start spending money you know, inefficiently, I guess. So it really doesn't matter how quickly it gets rolled out. Um, there's very much a series of projects that could be dealt with as a standalone project. A boat shed, for example, could is not really dependent on other things, though it would be quite good to have that up and running if, for example, school camps start operating. You've now you've put a lot of work into this, this uh, master planning process. It's now a draft plan. Are you hoping the community will have their say and, uh, and, and give it a few tweaks? Absolutely. I'm always expecting to do a few tweaks. I mean, I've talked to lots of people, uh, residents, business owners, landowners, um, various sporting groups, the police, the fire brigade. So, and often they've suggested other people to go and speak to some of the local tourism organisations, um, Live Better in Orange, um, who've provided a wonderful sort of uh, I guess context from, from of their own context from looking at how we can make the site more accessible. But look, that there will always be somebody with a, a, an original thought, and it's certainly a very flexible thing. The, a master plan. If 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 there's a inputs continue to come in, um, that's that's why it's a draft. We're expecting to to still make some modifications. If you're trying to listen to this podcast and have some kids at home creating havoc during the school holidays, you may well be on the hunt for some fun things for them to do. Comms team member Nicole Taylor has tracked down what's happening for the holes at the Orange City Library. 
This school holidays, Orange City Council has your children well and truly entertained with a range of activities in the cultural precinct. Last week, we caught up with staff at the museum to talk about what was happening with the Orange Regional Museum and the Orange Regional Gallery. Today, we have Julie from Orange City Library to chat about what's happening at the library for kids of most ages, school age, eight years and over. What have you got for us, Julie? So, in the first week, we've got two activities. So on Wednesday the 7th of April we have Science in the Kitchen. Science in the Kitchen? It looks like we're talking about goo. Sticky, slimy, gooey goo. What can you tell me about that? Well I don't know exactly what it is but the kids are going to find out how to make glue a couple of different sorts so that should be exciting so the parents will be well and truly thrilled about that one (laughs) they will yes so what time's that on so we have wednesday is it from 10 till 12 that's right yes 10 to 12 you need to book in though to on eventbrite are these activities uh, a case of parents should stay and help out or is it a drop and run type situation no it's usually um you have to bring the child in and sign in and then you can leave. If you really want to stay and make slime, you're quite welcome, but usually people just drop and and go. So what can you tell me about uh, what's happening with the gardening? Here there's some gardening going on. How do you garden in the Orange City Library? We actually have a library garden. So down the back of the library in the small space just outside the the glass windows, there is um, a space there for garden gardening and we're going to be planting it up so growing some winter vegetables I think and then usually once they've grown in another school holidays they will actually cook something using those veggies provided they grow. Excellent have you had much success with the garden in the library in previous years? Yes we have Um, we've grown corn we've grown lettuces carrots have been a big hit Alrighty, so what else? What is Toon World for the uninitiated? Can you explain that concept to me? Yes, Toon World is a company um, from Sydney who will be coming out and showing the kids how to do stop motion with clay models, model figures, animation. So um, that should be exciting. So what's stop motion? So usually you film um, the figures... Um, static and then you keep filming them so that when you put all of that together it will run into a motion. We have a a Lego club in the library so that's running during the school holidays. Can you give me a bit of insight into what happens in Lego club? So in Lego um, the library has many many um, interesting kits and things of different sorts of Lego, lots of different colours, not as much as you see on TV um, with Hamish, but um, and the kids are going to be looking at building kits or um, figures that perhaps they might be able to put into the Orange show. Can you talk to me about some of the most creative things you've seen with the Orange Kids and the Lego Club? We have had them build the um, Harry Potter kits, so they've been on display. They're a big hit both with adults and children, but then they might be given something like let's do a monster, um, a monster mash, and they will come up with all sorts of wonderful things. Very creative. Do places for the Orange City Library school holiday programs, do they usually fill quite quickly? Yes, they do. Um, so we've had to um, 
advertise the time that they're going out there for the parents and they will need to book on Eventbrite. If you're not sure how to do that, then please give the library a ring. Are all your events on Orange City Council's events calendar? Yes, they are. Excellent. So that's another place that people can go to find some information about what's going on. Are you expecting these classes to fill up? Yes, we are. We usually um, have a waiting list for most of them. So yes, they will fill up quickly. Are most of these activities free? They're all free, which is a wonderful something free for the parents um, to get their kids into. Wonderful. So it's uh, pretty good to have free activities on at the Orange City Library so the kids aren't stuck in front of the telly all day? Definitely. There's another couple of activity. There's the film skills. So in that, they're teaching the kids how to make better movies with camera angles and how to create drama. What else do you have at the library? So the last one on the Friday is for One Library, One Book. And with that, um, the children have been all reading the same book and discussing different ideas from it. And they all will be making iMovie trailers. They'll be watching some Beamer, films off Beamer, uh, which is one of the free um, film things that you can use through the library. And then they will be looking at their trailers on a big screen. So we've got a huge screen that we're going to put up in the library and indulge in some movie food like chop tops and popcorn, perhaps. Which day is that happening on, Julie? So that's Friday afternoon, the last Friday of the school holidays. Excellent. All right, so if you want to sign your kids up for any of these free activities at Orange City Library, please head to Eventbrite and search Central West Libraries. A range of activities will come up and you can choose your own or head to Orange City Council's events calendar. Librarian Julie Sykes was talking with comms team member Nicole Taylor. And now with a look back at the week uh, of what's happening around Orange City Council, CEO Dave Waddell. Dave, the sort of things that people are interested in is what's happening with that particular site near me. Can we look at a few of those today? Um, there's been a lot of people waiting to see what's going to happen on the Summer Centre. When will they start? Yes, Alan. Spoke to the builder this week and all systems go. Nothing's changed. They're all getting you know builders lined up and contractors and things. So we'll see action there soon. Um, they're going to make also add some more tweaks to the supermarket centre itself. So yeah, no, that's all good. Um, Other side? around town? Well, you know, council itself is looking at what we do with One Summer, which is on the corner of Woodwind Summer. Mm. It's actually effectively up for sale. So if you want to buy a site and build something tasteful, that's what we're after. You'd like to be something interesting for a high-profile site like that? Yeah, we don't want fast food on that that sort of high-profile site. What else is happening? Um, Of course, the west end of the old hospital site. Um, Council considers the final planning document on Tuesday night, and then we'll start the process, and we'll be on the We'll be on the market with that for units and townhouses before you know it. That'll be good. And our first bit of multi-storey, perhaps, for a residential? Yeah, we... we um, it, it's up to the market, but is, would you oh, like no, to... Oh, no, we want to. Would you like to we see something to. exciting there? Yeah, we'd like to see three-storey apartments on the Prince Street side and townhouses on Dalton. No, we're mandating that. That's what we want. There's no debate. There's no pubs or hotels or anything. It, we want medium-density residential in Orange to stop us sprawling into the, into the bush. You're also looking at to, to sell some sites around town. The, that little old house and the, the block at the back of Emus is one of the things on the list for possible sale. 
Uh, that's correct. That's called Eads House. We're just preparing that site for subdivision and then sale. Might make a lovely sort of residence, but it might also make a good cafe or a, plenty of parking, plenty of big backyard. So that'll be good. We've got more blocks over on Escort Way near um, the old near the domestic violence centre there for sale as well. Yeah, it's all happening. And we're seeing some good buildings being revamped. The old Kelly's Hotel I see is now called the Carriers. Arms or something, and or there's wellness happening upstairs. Upstairs, and, there's yeah. Pilates there, and they've done a lovely job on the outside. Um, uh, we've got roadworks in Escort Way, which I think are finished. Yeah, that they're getting closer. The RMS has been there uh, working at night because it's a busy road. That's meant some shift workers have had to be patient there. And then next week they move on to in the coming week after Easter they'll be up in uh, in Bathurst Road around KFC. They'll be there for a couple of weeks again at night time. Yeah, a lot of roadworks heading to Sydney. I did hear bad news about the Bells line of road is really going to be closed for a long time. I tell you, one of the big questions I always get is, what's happening to the old DPI building? Yeah. It's probably the most common question. What has, is happening to the old DPI building, Dave? Well, the landlord, you know, sort of, landlord doesn't seem to be that um, worried about it. But I, I am hearing that there is a group who's going to go in there, at least in a temporary way, to, to occupy some of the offices. We've, of course, uh, rejigged the planning controls mm-hmm. for that whole precinct. So I would hope to see something. Um, happening there quite soon. Nothing definite. Um, highlight of the week for me, of course, was Qantas. That yeah. was great. We were we were the first mystery flight, and 130 came in from Brisbane, and the mayor was there at the airport. It was really it was good was good to see. Orange is the biggest ever passenger plane ever landed ever to land at Orange. A 737 800, uh, about 50 more seats than the little plane that brought Elton John screw through. Was, was it? Is it? Does it say something about how Orange is perceived nationally that Qantas? chose Orange as one of three places to come to. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We are. We seem to just have this sort of destination name at the moment, and and things like that just keep falling in our lap. And Orange Three Hundred and Sixty does a great, you know, great job. Our tourism body is is really. Qantas did the right thing as well, managing the COVID risk. People before they got on the plane, there were tests. There were people to meet them with little thermometers, so they, the, the risks there were as minimised as they could possibly be. And people went away with a fantastic weekend, you know, with a fantastic day in Orange. Oh, they had a great time, didn't they? I think the expression is they were poured back on. The plane. Yeah. But anyway, happy Easter, Alan. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for joining us for the show this week. And if you catch up with this show on Apple Podcasts, remember you don't subscribe anymore, you need to follow us. Until next time, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now. <laughs>